Hello, Four Star Nation, and welcome to a Thursday, uh, May twentieth episode of the Four Star of Four Star Sports Show. Wes Pruitt, Brandon Bumgarner, special guest tonight is Mr. Ron Higgins uh, for the for the Memphis area. Uh, you will recognize that name. He covered the SEC sports for the commercial bill for a number of years. Now he is working for Tiger Rag Magazine, uh, which is the bible of LSU athletics. Ron Higgins, thank you very much for joining us tonight, sir. Be glad to have you. Glad, glad to be on it. Cool. Uh, Ron, let me ask you this. Oh, a, re- a real quick four-star sports show sponsored to you, uh, sponsored by BA Mask. Just the absolute primo quality, primo work done on face masks, football, baseball, lacrosse, hockey, and more. For more information, visit bamask.com. Uh, Ron, first question for you. Uh, I know you've, you've been covering LSU for a while. Let me ask you this. Coming off that great season that the Tigers had with Joe Burrow and, you know, we all know the the just success and how great that team was. What was it like coming into last season? Uh, and, you know, you, you start off the season with that with that LSU uh, Mississippi State game that got ugly quickly. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, the football program at the beginning of the season. Well, uh, you know – the excitement wasn't, it was strange. The excitement wasn't there because of the pandemic. It, it canceled spring practice, which they really needed. Uh, and then uh, you replaced, you had to replace Joe Brady, who is the mastermind, uh, the passing game coordinator who, who called a lot of the plays for the for Joe Burrow's team uh, in, in 2019. He was with the Carolina Panthers as, as offensive coordinator. They got a new, uh, uh, and then they brought a new passing game coordinator in. Uh, and, a new defensive coordinator in because David Randa went to Baylor. Uh, they had a bunch of changes, and, and, and it just – it kind of – I guess it it started going downhill. I mean, first of all, they lost a ton of people to the pros. Uh, they had 14 drafted, I think five in the first round. So lost a ton of people there. And then they had they started having people just, you know, uh, skip the season. Uh, Jamar Chase, their best receiver, opted out on August 1st. Uh, Tyler Shelvin, their best defensive lineman, opted out before the season, and uh, you just got the feeling it wasn't it wasn't going well. Uh, the first game defensively, the big first really all season, they looked confused defensively. The defensive coordinator they had, uh, 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 Bo Pelini, who came back here, he was at LSU a long time ago. He came back as defensive coordinator, uh, and uh, he looked like he didn't know how to deal with modern modern day offenses and uh, the, the communication was bad that uh, they got beat by some teams. They shouldn't have gotten beat by uh, then the third game of the season uh, starting quarterback, miles Brennan gets hurt. Uh, he plays the whole game, but he, he, he suffers like a, a torn abdomen and he's out for this year. So now you're left with two freshmen and uh, they have to dumb their offense down to make it really simple. Uh, and, and defenses tee off on them, and uh, but in the year they switched quarterbacks to go to Max Johnson, uh, and uh, it worked. They beat Florida, and then they beat Ole Miss. They finished five and five. Uh, I didn't know if they could make it to five and five after watching it most of the year, but by by the end of the year, uh, they had lost thirty four people off the twenty nineteen team, and that, that that just absolutely just. It just killed them. They could never get anything going. And even then, they could have flipped that record to, to like eight and three real easy or seven. Uh, 
seven uh, seven three really easy if they you know if they beat Missouri if they beat Mississippi State a couple of teams they're supposed to beat but they, it didn't happen but still they, they lost so many people I just couldn't overcome it and uh, some of the new coaches they got weren't that good uh, and I, that's Ed Orgeron's fault we'll talk about that in a second uh, <laughs> and uh, but after the season was over uh, Ed Orgeron was able to, he he talked. Both offensive and defensive lines, he talked to everybody into coming back. Because well, some of them could have gone to, uh, to the NFL. Some could have, could have graduated. And some could have taken a fifth, uh, not taken a fifth year. And um, he got them all back for this year, which really helps. Uh, and then he went out and hired some new coaches. Uh, he called Joe Brady up in Carolina and said, who runs your offense the best? He goes, well, i got to. Get my quarterbacks coach do his offense backwards and forwards. So he hired Carolina's quarterbacks coach uh, as LSU's offensive coordinator, and he hired uh, uh, one of the other Carolina's assistants, offensive assistants, who, who'd been at LSU as a graduate assistant or, or, or an offensive analyst, hired him as quarterbacks coach. So that got that taken care of. Uh, hired another guy, defensive guy from the pros as defensive coordinator. So they revamped, you know, they. At least they know what they want to do. That's one thing in the past, before Orzron got here, it took him a few years to get to, to where he wanted to be. But their philosophy, they never really knew what kind of philosophy they really had offensively. They just and they would just run the ball, very predictable run, pass when they're supposed to pass. Uh, and uh, that would get them, you know, every year eight wins, but it wouldn't get them in the championship game and, and uh, wouldn't score enough points. Uh, and Ed Orgeron, to his credit, uh, uh, in 2018, when I think they were nine and three or 10 and three, uh, that was Burrow's first year, uh, they got beat by Alabama 28 to nothing. And after that game, he decided, I've got I've to go to a spread offense. I've got to do run option. I need to find a coach who can help me with that. Uh, because he knew that, I mean, today in college football, you're not going to win a national championship average in 30 game. You're not going to do it. You've got to put up 40 a game. Honest to God, you've got to put up for at least 40 to 45 a game to win a national championship now. You look at these national championship games, I mean, you, you feel good if you win 48-34. If you you're feeling pretty good uh, because that's the way it is now. I mean, all the offenses are jacked up. I mean, they got great skilled people. Every Everybody runs a hurry-up offense. You know, no plays are called. I mean, I mean no huddles rarely. And so Orgeron went and got somebody to do that, Brady, and, and, and turned it around. So, yeah, that, that, that was LSU, LSU football last year. It wasn't quite good enough. Yeah. Go ahead, Brian. Mr. Higgins, uh, what? so we've seen Coach O. Uh, we're, I'm from Memphis. Wes is also from Memphis, but he lives in CrossFit, Arkansas now. Um, so we're familiar with Coach O as far as being a head coach, uh, former head coach at Ole Miss. What do you think of his growth as a head football coach from Ole Miss to, I believe, D coordinator at USC to interim head coach at USC to interim head coach at LSU and now head coach national champion? Um, uh, where, where do you think he is in his growth as a college football coach, and how long do you think he will last at LSU? Well, uh, first of all, Ed's a totally different coach than he was at, at, at Ole Miss. Uh, when I covered him at Ole Miss, uh, Ed was Ed didn't know what he was doing. He had no clue what he was doing as a head coach. I mean, 
and he would tell you that. You know, I mean, when he was hired at LSU, is the uh, as a uh, you know like a line. <coughs> He's hired as a line coach. His first press conference, he saw me. You know, and, and I mean, I was on his I was on his butt pretty good when he was at Ole Miss. And when I was Memphis, I would I would a lot of times in print I would refer to him as Coach. Oh my God, because he was. <laughs> Because he was just—he was a horrible, horrible head coach, and he saw me. He saw me after the. Uh, he saw me after the, the, the press conference with me. just LSU as a line coach, and he goes, uh, "Hey, uh, I know you and I had uh, didn't get along in, in in Memphis, you know, but you know, uh, I'm kind of putting that all behind me." I said, "I said Ed, it was never anything personal." I said, "I said you're just a horrible head football coach." <laughs> then he goes, "He goes, you're right. I, you're right. I was terrible." <laughs> He goes, I, he goes, I'm micromanaged all my, my coaches. He goes, I, I guess I was, I didn't know what I was doing. And he, he really didn't. I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, he came from USC where Pete Carroll, where Pete Carroll coached him. He practically had Pete Carroll on speed dial on his football field because he didn't, I mean, he was so unsure about stuff. He'd be calling every, I mean, I mean, it was, it was incredible. You're like, you're wondering, how, how did this guy get a job at Ole Miss? If he didn't mean, well, he gave a great interview and he has, he always has what he calls this notebook with his his plan of what he wants to do with the program, and it looks great on paper. But if you can't, if you don't know how to do it, and Ed, Ed didn't understand how to be a head coach at that point, but when he went to USC uh, and coached a little bit under Kiff, and then became interim coach, he understood that you uh, you're involved, but you don't you don't overcoach. You know what y'all everybody's doing. You step in when you're supposed to step in, but you let people coach. And he learned how to be a head coach. And uh, he came to LSU, and uh, I guess, you know, again, they hired him. He was an interim for uh, for most of one season, then they hired him as head coach. And, I, you know, I know everybody went crazy at the time. Uh, uh, they didn't think he was – of course, look, let's face it, nobody would have hired Ed Orgeron but LSU at that point. They, I mean, there weren't people beating down the door for Ed Orgeron. Uh, but I thought it, it, it might work because – he was a guy that he already knew what the mistakes he made, most of them. And it's rare that you find a coach that already knows the mistakes he made. And uh, not to say that he hasn't made it some sense, uh, but he came here and, and basically uh, hired people, left them mostly alone. A couple of cases where he did, where he was justified, but uh and, and again, every time that he saw something that needed to be fixed here, whether it was in game or they had a problem with, we know, anything tackling it one week or whatever, it was addressed. It was fixed the next week. Uh, I think, I think only once, I, I, don't know, I think only once he's lost one game after losing the previous game. I mean, things, things are fixed. I and mean, that's the best thing about him. Uh, and uh, no, he, like again, he realized that he had scored. Yeah, got scored a lot, a lot of points. Uh, uh, but again, he he hired a guy in Joe Brady from the Saints who was like an offense, almost like an offensive analyst almost. And he got lucky, and he'll tell you he got lucky. You know, he, you know, remember talked to him uh, last spring after you know the 2019 spring when uh, in 2020 spring when didn't have anything to do. He's he was up in his office basically. All spring, just pacing the floor, 
making recruiting calls and 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 he had a he had a, a weight bench in his office. I guess he just did chest presses all day. I don't know, but but uh, he, he told me he goes he goes uh, I I didn't know how good Joe Brady was. I was just as shocked as anybody else. He had nothing. I mean, really, uh, uh, I think he's grown as a coach. He still has made mistakes, and, and uh, this is. I guess you could call this charming about Ed or, or some people will look at it as a train wreck element. But when he was at Ole Miss, you almost assumed everything he said was a lie because he was so unsure of himself that he would just – you ask him any question. Is the sky blue? Um, well, no, I mean, if it's blue, they are not I me. Mean, he couldn't – I mean, he really couldn't answer – I mean, honestly answer a question. Now he's so tr- – he's truthful to a point where you go – Oh, Ed, I don't you should have said that. Case in point. Uh, sometime during the spring, you know, we had Zoom teleconferences, as we all do. And um, we're talking about uh, the coaches he hired this this time around as a, compared to a year ago. He goes, and we asked him what was the difference. He goes, well, you know, uh, this time around, uh, I, I, I interviewed the candidates. We're like, what did what, he say? I mean, I mean, he didn't interview the guys he hired last year. <laughs> we're, we're, we're like, how in the hell do you how do you do that? How do you hire people and you don't interview them? Really? Wow. We're like, I mean, you're, you're like, oh, Ed, 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 Ed. <laughs> but this time he interviewed people and he got like he got the people he liked. Uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, they, they, they're they're they've got. Three good quarterbacks. They got some more coming in. Uh, LSU, it's, it's amazing. For years, uh, they couldn't get a good quarterback. Uh, they kept having great receivers, which was uh, kind of a bizarre element of LSU football because they didn't throw the ball worth a damn forever, and they kept getting these great receivers like Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry and all these people. Like, why do you want to go there? You're not going to they're not gonna throw the ball. But – once Joe Burrow came, and what that what that year did for LSU football was all of a sudden, that's the place to go play it. I like that offense; it looks fun. They're throwing the ball, they're catching the ball, so now they're they're getting their their share of of, of looks some really good recruits and getting some of them really good receivers. So 2019 uh, will have a lasting effect, but last year it, it just uh, the the. Uh, they needed to have spring last year in, in 2020. They didn't have it for that team, and it, it, it was obvious early in the year. And it just, it just never. It was a struggle all season. Yeah, most definitely. Um, when you look at talking about spring, uh, looking at the spring that they just had, they just had their uh, is it the blue and gold game, I believe is what they call it. Uh, just a few weeks back, talk a little bit about the quarterback room um, for a long time. LSU kind of had a knock on not having a Joe Burrow type quarterback. Um, I know it's hard to replace Joe Burrow. We saw uh, Brad Johnson's son do an amazing job last season. Do you think it's his job, or do you think somebody else may come in uh, during the spring and take it? No, I still think. I mean, I treat him and Miles Brennan, the guy who opened the year. The guy who opened yeah. the year, he was he was pretty damn good until he got hurt. I mean, he was really good. Uh, and he looked good in the spring. He looked good in the spring game, and you know, and, and you know, and, and so did Max Johnson. Uh, it's it's gonna be between those two. Uh, they got Garrett Nussmeyer as a freshman, a true freshman. He came in early in the spring, uh, son of Doug Doug Nussmeyer, a longtime college offensive coordinator and assistant. 
smart kid. Uh, uh, he's a third quarterback. Their 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 quarterback is it's a good room. The, of course, T.J. Finley transferred out of there. He uh, uh, a kid from Pontchartrain, Louisiana, which is close to Baton Rouge. 6'6", 245. You look at him in a uniform. It's like a tight end playing quarterback. Uh, big arm, but T.J. Uh, had trouble processing reading defenses quickly. Uh, there was just a little – it took him a little too long. Uh, and that was his his weakness and probably something needs to be cleared up. So he entered the transfer portal. He's out there right now, but they like their three quarterbacks. Um, they got like, some good running backs coming in. They have some good running backs coming back. Uh, they like what they have, uh, and particularly defensively. They, I mean, they got about everybody back uh, defensively. They got a – uh, Derek Stingley Jr., you know, they, they probably one of the better sets of quarterbacks in the nation with Eli Ricks and Derek Stingley Jr. So they're, they're feeling pretty good about their defense. Uh, Mr. Higgins, so I'm a Memphis fan. Um, Wes is a Memphis fan. We know you spent a lot of time here. What can you tell us about Peter Parrish? Um, what type of athlete he is? what he might bring to the table for the University of Memphis, uh, if he might be the uh, might be able to win the starting job. Uh, we just had a transfer in from Arizona, Grant Gunnell. He's a very, very good uh, football player. He was also recruited by LSU. But um, what can you tell most of our fan base for the four-star sports show that is Memphis fans what to expect out of Peter Parrish? Uh, Peter Parrish is a, a very mobile quarterback, uh, a good run option guy. He can throw off the run. Uh, uh, the best part about Peter is probably the most mobile of all the LSU quarterbacks they had. Uh, you know, uh, again, caught in a situation where you didn't really have a fair chance because it was just, you know, it timed out that too many good people were there at that point. Uh, uh, basically, a, a good kid got in a little bit of trouble here, and that's why he transferred. Uh, but he, uh, Every time I watch him in practice, I was impressed that he never seemed he never seemed rattled. He almost seemed more comfortable when he was on the run, uh, throwing on the run and just creating things on the run. It seemed like he was more comfortable doing that. And I thought he was really good at, at, at the run option, uh, pretty good at just at, uh, at ball fakes. So uh, I, I would describe him as crafty. I'd say he was crafty. Uh, I don't know if he's a guy who can just sit back there and throw all day in a, out of a out of a shotgun. Uh, but I, I think he can do a lot of things out of there, yeah. That's what I like to hear as a Memphis fan. Um, <laughs> and also my last question for you. So the transfer portal has just taken a huge toll on college athletics, uh, basketball, football, baseball, all sports. Um, how has Coach O down there at LSU used the transfer portal? I, I saw they just landed, landed a defensive back, Major Burns from Georgia. Yeah, um, got, yeah, they got a linebacker from Clemson also. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I've seen what Coach O's kind of done down there as far as the transfer portal, adding on to the number three recruiting class in the country for 2021. Um, I think LSU has potential to be extremely good this year in a, in a quiet fashion. Uh, I'm not yeah. going to sit here and tell everybody that they're going to beat Alabama, but yeah, yeah, uh, I agree. I, I, I will, I will say, if you're going to beat Alabama this year's the year to do it when they have to replace all these guys. And LSU fans, I think, in my honest opinion, should be excited for this season. So they are excited. Uh, 
but I, I never, you know, they'll always look at it. If Nick Saban is above, above ground and breathing, you're chasing Alabama, no matter how many people you're replacing. Uh, they've had years, years before they replaced a lot of people and were, st were still really good. Uh, uh, but, yeah, I mean, Ed Orgeron's always used the, the, the portal to, to fill needs. Uh, uh, he's always saved some scholarships, even after the two signing periods. During the year, he's always saved some, uh, like two or three, to, to fill gaps where he thought he needed gaps filled. Uh, and he's done it just tremendously. I mean, uh, you know, the, the first two he signed were uh, Cole Tracy, a place kicker, and Joe Burrow. Cole, Cole Tracy basically got LSU 10 wins in Joe Burrow's junior year. I mean, because LSU's offense would stall out, and, and Cole Tracy, was as a field goal kicker, was money, just money. Uh, and then, of course, Burrow was great. You know, in 2019, he was great. Uh, so, and so that's how Ed's always used it. Uh, you know, it, it's but I think in in football is it's kind of it's not like the free fall all is in basketball. Basketball, it, it really is like NBA free agency. I mean, I mean, honestly, God, LSU has just recruited. I mean, a team and, and gotten transfers, and they recruited a better team than what they had that went to the second round of the NCAA tournament. I mean, honestly, yeah. God, I mean, it's yeah. like. That's how it's done now. I mean, I mean, basketball. It just seems like uh, they pick it up and move move quicker. Like, uh, and, and basketball I was always on that one year plan anyway. Everybody wants one one and done, one and done. So if you're not playing a lot the first year, nothing. You're gonna you're gonna transfer. So I mean, LSU got got there's some dynamite players. One from Missouri, one from uh, Illinois, uh, one from Cincinnati. Uh, this uh, one from out in California somewhere. It's just ridiculous as far as basketball. I think a lot of schools are are, are doing that. And this in one year, kind of rebuilding their stuff. Uh, yeah. do, I, do I like it? I can understand. I like I, I like the NC rule now. They passed rule saying you can transfer once and be eligible immediately, but not keep transferring. I agree with that. Uh, and I've always agreed with the graduate graduate transfer rule. I've always agreed that if you've Fulfilled your academic requirements and graduated wherever you are, you've earned the right to go anywhere you want to. I completely agree with that, one hundred percent. And you know, to your point, the, the transfer portal in basketball does seem to me to be a little more free agency. I, I'm I'm a little concerned that football is going to turn out to be that way, um, and and it's going to become the Nick Saban, the Dabo Swimmies of the world is. They're all going to, you know, levitate towards them, uh, which I hope does not happen. Uh, Ron, my last question for you. Um, you've been covering LSU for Tiger Rag Magazine. Can you tell us a little bit about the magazine itself and, uh, you know, just uh, exactly what y'all do? Yeah, we're, we're Tiger Rag Magazine, tigerrag.com. We, we do also, we're online also. Uh, this magazine started, uh, let's see, it started in nineteen seventy. Eight, 77, 1977. Uh, I went to work for it my, my first year out of college in 78. Uh, I worked it, I worked for it. For, it was actually just a newspaper then. Uh, it took me 41 years to get a promotion as editor, as I like to tell people. Mm -hmm. um, it, I, I came back. When I left Memphis, uh, I was hired by the Times-Picune in New Orleans as a columnist, uh, and uh, which I thoroughly enjoyed until they ran out of money, uh, which is 
journalism today. Um, and, and, but I ended up here, uh, they offered me this last year, uh, and it just felt right. It felt like a good move. And, uh, we have a monthly magazine. It's free, but if you're, uh, if you're out of town, it's by subscription. You pay for it in town. It's free. It's a, it's a you know, 75, 80 pages every month of really good stuff. We're online. We're free online. Uh, so people can read about LSU online free, uh, which most people, they charge stuff, but we don't. So uh, I've enjoyed it. Uh, it's uh, I've been doing this a long time, man. I started, I started writing, I mean, I started, well, actually I started writing for newspapers. I mean, I guess, honestly, people will not believe this, but I, I, I was eight years old when I had a story published in the Barrage paper. Um, and I was, and I my my best story is about when I was when I was thirteen or fourteen, they sent me out to cover a game for the first time and with a byline. So I walked in the dressing room after this game, and I'm looking around for the coach. He sees me, and coach he goes, "Uh, hey, uh, we need some more towels." I go, "What?" Because we need some more towels. I said, "I'm not your manager." He goes, "Who are you?" I said, "I'm Ron Higgins with the Morning Advocate in Baton Rouge. I'm, I'm writing this game story." He goes, "You're not a sports writer." I said, yeah. He goes, well, ask me a question then, sports writer. I said, okay, the first half you had a nice offensive flow. You were throwing the ball really well. And the second half you just started running. Were you just trying to kill clock or work on your offensive line? What was that all about? He goes, you are a sports writer. So, <laughs> so I've been doing this a long time. I still enjoy it because the best part about this job is that uh, you might have a every day planned out. You might go into a day that's planned precisely. And then, and then all hell breaks loose. And that's the best part about journalism still to me is like, you might think you know what's going to go on, and then all of a sudden it'll just go off the rails in different directions, and things happen, uh, which is great. That's what I love about it. Most definitely, most definitely. Uh, Ron Higgins joining us tonight, Four Star Sports Show, brought to you by BA Mask, leading edge in uh, face mask, football, baseball, uh, football, baseball, hockey, lacrosse, and more. BAMass.com. Ron Higgins, thank you very much, sir. We have had a blast tonight. We hope Mr. to have you Higgins, back on. We, uh, we, we appreciate <laughs> you down here, up here in the great state of Tennessee. Uh, we hope to see you down there in the great state of Louisiana sometime this season. Go Tigers. I'll keep the gumbo on for you. Go Tigers. <laughs> everybody, er, everybody that's always running, everybody, everybody. Yeah, yeah, everybody is. Well, you've got a great version of it, that's for sure. But once again, thank you very much, Ron Higgins, for joining us tonight. We hope to get you back on uh, soon. Absolutely. Glad to do it.